Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Unshot.net. Live Poetry Reading A Statement of Strategy 2021 to 2023 by the Department of Education. Well, I have to admit, I don't know when the Department of Education became the Department of Education again. Uh, Up until recently, they were the Department of Education and Skills, the DES. But now they're just the DE, the Department of Education. And uh, it's kind of weird looking at their logo now. It feels like there's a bit missing. Um, Perhaps they've no more skills. Um, I don't know what the answer answer to that is, why they got rid of the skills bit. Um, Anyway, this is a live poetry reading of um, uh, their latest uh, bit of I suppose, publication, uh, where I go through uh, any important document that the Department of Education or another agency goes through um, and uh, try to explain it so you don't have to read it. Uh, This uh, statement of strategy is something the government seem to do every couple of years. And this is their statement of strategy for education from 2021 to 2023. So let's dive in, have a look at it and uh, we'll see how it goes. Hello, hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Unshaw.net. This is Simon Lewis here. Uh, It's time for yet another live poetry reading. I'm doing quite a lot of these lately. Just for those of you who haven't been to one of my live poetry readings, don't worry, there's absolutely no poetry involved in them. The only poetry you'll be hearing are the sultry words of Department of Education speak as we go through their strategy for 2021-2023, which I I try to read live, uh, trying to understand it myself as I read through it. So there's no script for this particular podcast. Um, We'll dive straight into it. It's a 29 page document, so there's quite a lot to cover. And uh, let's see. Uh, exactly what it's all about. So we've, um, I mean, generally uh, these um, circulars or these uh, releases, shall we say, from the Department of Education start off with a lot of nonsense um, generally kind of uh, forwards, uh, they call them, I call them nonsense, uh, from the minister or from somebody else in there. And they generally welcome, um, you know, the strategies they, they themselves have published. And um, they tend to talk about how great they are and what they've done and all the wonderful stuff that's been involved in education. And, and absolutely, there's no difference there. Uh, and we're blessed now to have two ministers uh, for education, kind of. Uh, one is Norma Foley, who is who is actually the, uh, the Minister for Education. And then we have the... Um, Uh, the Minister of State for Special Education um, and Inclusion, apparently, although the inclusion, um, I don't think, um, amounts to anything other than, um, I suppose, the uh, special education uh, rather than the widest uh, definition of inclusion. Uh, But she also welcomes uh, this... um, she basically welcomes uh, her own documents as well. So uh, for the first three pages, uh, we get to... um, listen to Josepha Madigan and Norma Foley congratulating themselves and then we also have um, gosh the general or the secretary general uh, having his spiel welcoming his own work as well that's Sean O'Fiowley the secretary general so really it comes on to page five out of the 29 
when things actually start uh, happening and it's basically the vision uh, that they have and their vision just so you know is that it's an education system where every child and young person feels valued and actively supported and nurtured to reach their full potential which is a grand aim for a department of education that uh, pretty much doesn't do any of that um, particularly when we're talking about children with additional needs and um, now they go on and on and on uh, just for the first uh, little for that page trying to again congratulate themselves so I'm, I guess skip all the self-congratulations uh, in these kind of things uh, they're going about their mission and values so I'll read their mission it's to facilitate children facilitate children and young people through learning to achieve their full potential and contribute to Ireland's social economic and cultural development which uh, seems like a reasonably good mission and um, they also have values um, um, there you go. Who, who, would, who knew? Um, we place the student at the centre of education strategy and policy development and value, pub, uh, value learning as a public good. Now, um, there's a problem with that uh, sentence because they don't. Um, they, actually put, uh, they actually place money at the centre of education strategy and policy development because if you ever speak to uh, the Department of Education representatives about problems within the education system they don't talk about the children or the students they talk about the amount of money they've put in place listen to any speech from anyone uh, involved in the department of education any of your ministers and they talk about the billions of euro that they're putting into the system rather than the actual good they're doing for the children and um, but uh, they're basically then what do they talk about they believe in the vital importance of open communication i don't agree with that at all they were the uh, consultation a collaboration with stakeholders within the education sector well they certainly do that and uh, within the wider community well I don't think they do that uh, we're committed to the principles of continuous improvement innovation and evaluation all of which means nothing and um, the achievement of our goals will be underpinned by our overarching overarching values for civil for the civil service um, so again very little so let's look at their goals because I mean effectively this is what the strategy is they have um, how many goals do they have three maybe the there's only three goals. So goal one is support the provision of high quality education, improve the learning experience to meet the needs of all students in schools and early year settings. That's interesting about the early year settings because the Department of Education, I don't think has any say in early years education or early years settings. Um, that's an interesting thing because it might mean that they're looking to get into that. Um, but uh, apart from that, uh, supporting the provision of a high quality education, improving the learning experience is, would be uh, is a reasonable goal for anyone. Uh, ensuring equity of opportunity in education and all students are supported to fulfill their potential. That's a lofty objective when 95% of your schools discriminate on a daily basis on the basis of religion. Um, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll find out what they're going to do about that. Uh, it's also a lofty ambition when you haven't, uh, when you're a Department of Education that haven't enacted the Epson Act uh, because, um, and again, uh, um, that affects children with additional needs. So very lofty. And goal three is together with our partners, um, I, I wonder who their partners are, provide strategic leadership and support for the delivery of the right systems and infrastructure for the sector. I don't, I don't know if that's a goal, provide strategic leadership and support. Okay, maybe it is a goal. So then the next page is they have a lovely little picture in green and blue and yellow, it uh, goes to yellow, then to orange and then to dark blue. And um, it tells you a few little facts. Facts are interesting. Um, they have 105,978 children in preschool. Again, this is not the Department of Education. This is interesting. They're including uh, the ECCE scheme. Uh, 4,260 providers, 
there's nearly a million students. I don't know. I presume that means in pre-primary school and post-primary. It does. Um, or 567,000 in primary. Um, we've got 67,000 teachers. So just a lot of things like that. 16,000 SNAs nearly. Um, we've just under 4,000 schools. Uh, that's interesting. 3,965. So that number is decreasing every year. Um, how many of them are Dash? How many of them are Irish medium? How many of them are multi or interdenominational? They're putting multi and interdenominational together, which is really interesting to me because interdenominational and multi-denominational are not the same thing. Interdenominational schools are Christian schools. They are not in any way um, close to being anything other than faith-forming faith faith type schools. Um, multi-denominational schools, uh, interesting. And then how many special schools there are as well. Uh, they, they also say how many inspections they did last uh, last year, which is 4,709. Um, how many transport routes? That's interesting. 7,374 school transport routes and they can't get it at all right. But they only have 120,000 people on school transport. It's an interesting one, actually. And I, I, I've come, I think I've covered school transport in a previous episode. Um, that's kind of an interesting t- statistic, but uh, probably I don't know what, how relevant it is to a strategy. Um, so they look at key challenges and opportunities in the uh, environment. So I think that's actually worth considering uh, because it's uh, and it goes on for about three pages. And well, I think well worth me having a proper look at. Um, so let's look at it. Uh, the education system provides opportunities for learning and engagement across a person's lifetime. Well, that's good. Uh, learning environments enable you. So I just want to cut through the through the uh, the rubbish here. Um, it talks about COVID nineteen having problems, and that's yeah again nothing really to talk about. Yeah, the problems that COVID nineteen have the negative effects without really saying what they were. Um, the department recognised the important role that schools and education settings play. And this, as well as any as the available public health advice, will continue to inform their decisions. So they're talking about COVID nineteen, basically blaming COVID nineteen for everything. And um, now all the problems in education were there before COVID nineteen. COVID nineteen just highlighted them. Uh, not only highlighted them, they they, they shone uh, the 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 very very uh, the the very strongest light you could possibly ever shine on anything on the system. Um, and um, I have a bad feeling that uh, post COVID. None of that's really going to change very much, um, but we will see. We will see. Um, let's look at the political environment, they say. Um, so the government has set out key ambitions for their shared future, the programme for government, which seeks to recover from the impacts of COVID-19. There's a number of important commitments intended to support the education sector. Um, and they also talk about Brexit being a challenge uh, as well, and that um, they want to uh, have a look at that. You've got the economic uh, challenges. Um even although the economic, uh, although the economy was in a strong position at the beginning of twenty twenty, um, basically um, we're in trouble. Effectively, I think is what they're saying. But we must ensure that our students receive the best possible preparation for their lives when they leave school. In the face of these circumstances, the department must redouble its efforts. What do you mean redouble? Just just double its efforts. Maybe maybe quadruple their efforts to assist students who have special education. Actually. They just make, must make any effort to assist students who have special educational needs, uh, those who are educationally disadvantaged, including those who are homeless and living in direct provision facilities. Uh, they talk about then increasing demographic pressures. OK, this is interesting. As outlined in our projections for full time enrollment. Oh, yeah, this is this interesting thing where they published that primary um, schools are going to get smaller. Post primary enrollments are projected to get higher. Uh, so that's going to be interesting um, because um, 
things are going down in terms of enrolments in primary level um, and what should we do about it. Now, I know the INTO had a bit of a hissy fit um, when they published this, uh, basically, um, and they're, they're, they were talking about you know, how they're going to need to lose primary school teachers in the system because numbers are going down and the, the INTO kind of were rejecting their the, the, the document they released at it. Um, I, do, I don't know. I mean, it was it, it seemed to be a bit of a, a huffing, a bit of huffing and puffing without actually doing anything about it. Um, but um, anyway, that's that's what that's about. Then it talks about delivery and reform in the context of COVID. So COVID-19 has been a disrupting force across Irish society. That's one way of putting it. And most certainly within our education system, the pandemic and impacts of school closures have shed new light on the important role of schooling and supporting school children to thrive and flourish. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they, they keep saying this. And I mean, they're absolutely right. It did. It shed new light, but it just shed new light on how terrible uh, the system was for the most vulnerable children in our systems. That's everything had been thrown at schools to do. Um, and I, I go about on about this in my regular podcasts about the kind of uh, services that children don't get, which they should be getting. And schools are there to wipe up the, the pieces. And I'm talking about kind of therapies mainly, uh, where schools are sort of ex- are, are being thrown these kind of speech and language therapies, uh, occupational therapies, which we're not qualified to do. Um, and the, the, the school, this uh, school inclusion model uh, is going to exacerbate this majorly. Um, the, 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 there's lots of things uh, that the COVID-19 shed light on, uh, particularly with uh, vulnerable children. Again, children from disav- uh, in disadvantage in poverty. Um, like the fact that they're like that that again uh, they were forgotten uh, during during covid-19 but they've been forgotten long before covid-19 came along and and that's the thing um but anyway I'll carry on here uh, because um I suppose that'll be a repeated um theme I would imagine of uh, of this live poetry reading um that uh, there's that the government probably will blame covid and not themselves but all covid did in my opinion was highlight what was already wrong in the system. So let's um, go on. COVID-19 uh, uh, undoubtedly affected how education is delivered. Um, the potential and importance of digital learning and use of digital technologies in education have come into sharper focus in light of events surrounding COVID-19. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really premature to say this. You know, I have I, a bit of a problem with all the talk about digital, uh, digital everything at the moment. Now, as people who might know me uh, would know that I'm a huge advocate for technology and education. COVID-19, again, um, what happened was people were forced to use technology to do what they normally do in school from a distance. There was very little innovation that I saw um, in terms of technology and education. What I saw was people mapping what they already do face to face onto a screen and um, whether that was teaching f- sort of face to face through a screen. I mean, this is why I think a lot of families, um, I think there was a lot of pressure at the time for, fa- you know, this um, one you know, live teaching um, over Zoom or whatever it was. And this was, um, you know, this wasn't innovative uh, in any way, shape or form. All that was, was um, your teacher speaking to their class via a screen and it, it's not a modern um, way of teaching I mean it's it's lecturing and it's it's not the best way at primary level to deliver uh, content um, you know for example uh, I mean and there there was a lot of stuff I mean yes it was great that people started using tools uh, for producing information for children uh, and there were some brilliant examples of good 
innovative practice. I'm not saying innovative practice didn't happen at all, but in the main, whatever happened was an emergency um, response. There was no plan to do education well using technology. And, you know, I, I think it's it's a bit rich in a way for people to kind of look look back in the last year and say, oh, we saw the importance of technology. We saw the importance of technology, absolutely, because there was no other way of getting the curriculum to the children. And we did our best in the circumstances. But it certainly wasn't innovative uh, by any stretch of the imagination pedagogically. Um, it, you know, I mean, I mean, that's just my own comment on it while I have the opportunity to kind of um, go on about it. Um, but I, I do think, you know, it's something that we should look at. Um, about how we could have used technology during that time and what could have worked uh, even better uh, than, than maybe what went went on. But I, I mean, I, I, I laugh a little bit about it because like just before, like, I mean, only a couple of months or even a couple of, even a month before COVID-19 hit, hit our shores, there was this massive campaign, I mean, massive campaign to, to get rid of technology in schools, basically, you know, to, to start banning screens as much as possible. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, everyone was looking for more screen time, you know, but the thing is, pedagogy didn't change. Anyway, I'm laboring the point and, uh, you know, I, I suppose I'll have lost, lost you, lost most of you by now uh, with, with my, with my geeky uh, talk about uh, technology and education, but it's, area as I said that I'm, I'm very interested in um, and uh, I suppose as if to prove my point uh, earlier that the Department of Education is a money centred uh, thing rather than a student centred thing they go on about how much money they provided for ICT um, which is, was the regular amount of money they were paying they were giving anyway um, and they're again congratulating themselves for an absolutely terrible job of looking after the digital divide uh, my school just for example got enough money to buy to buy two or sorry six laptops uh, for children um, you know they, they, they can go away with their uh, how, about how generous they were uh, for for families who, who were in poverty uh, maybe at second level they had a little bit well they did a lot more actually they tripled the amount of money that uh, that primary schools got for some reason I don't know anyway it's a general theme uh, let's keep going. Um, in addition to mitigating the, the short and medium term impacts of COVID, it'll be important to continue with longer term. So we're talking about this. It goes on about secondary school there. Um, so I, this is a primary school podcast. Sorry, secondary school people, if you're if you're interested in hearing my thoughts on secondary school, I leave that to secondary school people. Um, but at primary level, they're going to continue the phased review of the primary curriculum and its link with the Ashter program. It's interesting they're calling it an Ashter program. It's a framework. Um that became a program and absolutely messed up um, what it should have been in the first place. But very interesting all the same. Um, the impact of distance learning on special education has also been made clear. Uh, <laughs> I mean, basically, it didn't work um, for lots of reasons. Um, but but I mean, it, it nearly feels like this is a bit of a dig. Um, but uh, anyway, it probably isn't. Yes, it is. The department has been very clear in its ambition to prioritise a return to the in-school education for students with the greatest level of need. Effectively, they, you know, they, they're, they're still sore about the fact that we did not go back in January when we didn't want to die, when there was like 50% of people with symptoms were basically getting COVID. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I like, this is, like this strategy is turning into a, you know, I don't know, like a, a passive aggressive uh, note to uh, to teachers um, and and an SNAs or something. Anyway, I'm, I oh here we go. I have to read the sentence. Uh, this has re-emphasised the importance of a 
bespoke, there is that word again, my favourite word in the world, the bespoke provision for special education, including the important role played by special schools, special classes and SEND supports. Now, if, again, before COVID, they were trying to shut down special schools because they were looking for this full, full, inclusion, full inclusion model, I was about to say, and absolutely a foolhardy idea. Uh, but anyway, that seems to have gone out the window. They seem to like special schools now. Um, and anyway, they're trying to advance towards a rollout of a model of school inclusion, which will be an absolute disaster. Oh no, that's not what they say. But that we'll see additional therapeutic supports made available in schools for the first time. This is going to be a disaster because additional therapeutic supports will not be given by the therapists. They will be expected to be given by SNAs who are not qualified therapists. I am. I mean, I. 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 I am one of the things that I'm exacerbated by. One of the many things I'm exacerbated in by in education is why is no one calling out this disaster that's about to come upon the uh, uh, upon our education system for children with additional needs that they are going to allow people who are entirely unqualified to give important therapies like speech and language therapy and occupational therapy to children and no one's kicking up about it you know it's 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 almost it's it shocks me that people are it's like you know the hsc basically saying you know in rather than doctors uh, or, uh, or, you know, doing whatever doctors do, <laughs> I don't know, uh, or, or surgeons doing surgery. Let's let's look at something extreme. It, rather than surgeons doing the surgery, they're going to allow nurses to take over the surgery, despite the fact that that's not their qualification. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's amazing that representative bodies just, they refuse to call it out. It's, it just astounds me. Um, Although I don't know why it astounds me. Nothing really astounds me anymore. And yet they kind of keep on going um, about this. So they're, they're saying really um, as part of enhancing inclusion in education over the term of the statement of strategy, we'll continue to invest and build on existing supports for special education in all of our schools, expanding the number of special class places, investing in CPD in the area of special education, supporting uh, our special education teachers and special needs assistants. And I'm waiting and waiting and waiting until they say things like and reversing the 15% cut that we made in 2012, which we've never reversed. And I'm waiting for um, lots of things uh, of mentions of actually how they're really going to um, support uh, the provision of special education needs, which, uh, to be honest, and, and we know this um, already from uh, uh, speaking to principals, the National Principals Forum uh, has already um, got data to say that um, principals uh, are, receive less um, and fewer supports uh, than they did um, before uh, the the recession, um, which is which is I mean over ninety uh, it was around I think it was ninety percent. Sorry, I'm saying it's a live reading, so I don't have the stats in front of me. But I think ninety percent of principals reported that they actually had better supports in the old uh, allocation systems for special education needs than they do um, even today, um, despite the protestations of the government of how much money they're putting into this. Anyway, that's um, all about that um there so let's look at skills and capacity they've said uh this is still i'm still in the introduction but i'm on page 10 uh it's a very long introduction or a very long summary uh skills and capacity it remains crucial that teachers school leaders and all of the education workforce are supported in the professional practice um initial and continuing teacher education programs 
um, need to reflect the skills and experience which teachers and school leaders require, as well as acknowledging and celebrating the diversity that which they meet in classrooms today. So that's a, a very long winded sentence, which um, in a way is goes all over the place uh, in my in my view. Um, they're looking at teacher education programs um reflecting the skills and experience uh, which teachers and school leaders require. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's that that's. Yeah, I, actually, I don't have anything to argue about that. Uh, um, so, I mean, I'll, I'll look whenever they actually get into the detail, the meat of this. Uh, how long are we into this? 23 minutes and we've yet to get to the meat of this particular um, uh, booklet. Um, anyway, over the term of the statement of strategy, they're going to continue to address learning and development needs of department staff to ensure they're equipped with the essentials. So they're actually dealing with the civil servants. Um, but the, the skills are needed to be effective in delivering for the citizen. The citizen. I assume that's not the teacher. It's. It, I wonder who they mean by the citizen. Uh, the department will continue to implement reforms associated with civil service. So it's all about reforms in the civil service, which effectively I don't care that much about. Uh, so um, I'm going to skip the last line of that because uh, I don't think it really says very much. So let's uh, move on uh, to the next bit. Actually, that wasn't an introduction. It felt like an introduction. Um, here, here it goes. Working to play a full role in achieving overarching cross-government objectives is the very long-winded title uh, of the next bit. So they're responding to the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, so basically, they're going to be uh, doing what everyone else is doing um, and it's responding to what COVID-19 uh, presented to them. Now, unlike... I suppose other parts of the uh, government um, sectors like business or uh, the econ- anything about economy and health and all that sort of stuff. I suppose in education what happened really was the pandemic didn't really give us anything new in terms of challenges. And I've said this already. It just highlighted everything that was it was terror, you know, it was really, really difficult in the past and the challenges of the past. And, it, and, and, and COVID-19 really just highlighted them. And I think... Um, blaming COVID-19 as an impact on education is is really not you know it's not it's not true Um, it just as I said highlighted what was already in place so I mean anyway they're they're, they're going to blame COVID-19 for everything wrong in education they're going on about the sustainable development goals which are obviously extremely important and they have uh, released we we I refer to this in in a in a podcast a couple of uh, a couple of months ago when they were they, they seem to have this sustainable development goals newsletter that comes along every so often uh, it's not worth a poetry reading uh, to be honest with you because they don't really say anything uh, and and similarly in this paragraph they don't really say anything except the fact that they're you know monitoring the sustainable development goals which they refer to as sdgs which are a new acronym for us to learn uh, they do go about climate action um now in the concept of education that's um that's great because we really really do need uh, to take um, a, a much, much, much deeper uh, look into climate action. Um, I think the Green Schools Initiative really is, uh, it's not mentioned here at all, actually, which is kind of interesting, but I, I, I don't have a problem with that. I, I think the Green School Initiative has, and, and dare I say it, really uh, gone past its sell-by date. It didn't, it hasn't really adapted uh, to, I suppose, 21st century needs in terms of the environment and, and, and climate action and climate change and was still focusing on re- recycling or and this sort of I mean very um I don't know what what what, what the right word is but every year there was one thing you had to do compartmentalize maybe is the right word uh, and separate uh, things because schools need to be doing everything 
uh, rather than just one thing now. Uh, focus on recycling one year and litter and then focusing on light and energy the second year and then, for, you know, almost... I'm not saying they forget about them and I know they have to build up and, and look to be honest with you, the Green Schools Initiative had its time and uh, and I think either it needs to update itself I, I think the idea of having flags for things you know I mean maybe we're past that now as well uh, maybe we're not uh, maybe some schools do like waving flags outside their schools um, uh, maybe I'm a bit out of date um, or maybe out of touch around that but um, I think I think really the government don't mention green schools and that's kind of interesting in itself um, they do talk about the things they are going to be um, you know looking at which is the SEAI um, and what schools will have to do around that we now I mean we already that was already sneaked or snook or whatever the word is into our schools of a job that we have to do uh, it's probably now part of our um, whatever we signed our life away in the PSSA2 uh, deal there so uh, just around uh, climate action I, I don't think anyone could argue that we need to do it now how that fits into the curriculum in uh, schools is I suppose uh, something which we'll have to look at I presume in geography and science would be the two uh, curriculum subjects they would have to go with uh, I'm, I'm not quite sure um, outside of Educate Together um, what religion can add to climate change um but <laughs> uh, maybe they can pray uh, for the climate change to help i don't know sorry that's me being a bit cynical uh but uh, educate together schools obviously would have uh, the ethics and the environment strand which is obviously um already taking lots and lots of steps around sustainability and and uh, working around climate change and uh yeah i mean i, I guess you know the the, the the government and the rest of the schools really kind of have to catch up with that and really get on with it um, and so on. Anyway, public sector equality and human rights duty. Oh, now, I imagine this is where I'm going to really let off here and get very, very cross because <laughs> public sector equality and human rights duty. Now, let's go with it. I, I, speaking as the only uh, principal in the country from a minority background uh, out of the 4,000 schools that exist in the country. Um, I, I, I would wonder how they're going to manage this, but let's try. The Department of Education is conscious of its key role promoting, protecting and vindicating the achievement of key human rights to education. Okay, so they're not actually talking about what I thought it might be. The right to education is contained in a number of so it goes on about the right to education. Um, so effectively, what am I looking at here? They are sort of saying that uh, the department's mission is to facilitate individuals through learning to achieve their full potential and contribute to Ireland's social, economic and cultural developments, key element ensuring Ireland fulfills its obligations. So um, they're just saying, yeah, that's all that. The promotion of equality in human rights and ensuring access to an equitable system underpins our mission. Like, that's great. Let's let's see how they're going to do this. Um, because they are, uh, in fairness, the department are always hauled in front of the UN treaty monitoring bodies to account for the implementation of the right to education under these treaties. Yeah, they are hauled in front of them quite rightly. Um, certainly uh, the one I'm most familiar with is under religious grounds where Ireland is, flies in the face of human rights uh, in terms of how we treat uh, people who are not from Christian backgrounds in terms of um, what what they experience when they go to schools, despite what we what, what we'd like to think about ourselves and um, please if you if, if put yourself in the shoes of a minority and and take off your 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 own bias and see how does your school really really treat someone from a minority faith um and 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 see if it's really equitable 
if it, is it really equitable and and i mean the answer is very clear really if you do actually do do that um and it's not a i'm not saying that as a as an insult i'm not saying that as a as a criticism or any, i mean it is a criticism obviously but not of not of schools i mean schools can't do much about the system but we have to do something about it um and then start questioning it um and and move and make steps towards something that is actually equitable. Um, Anyway, the department is also committed to continuously creating a better work environment for staff that promotes positive engagement, open communication, fairness, equality and respect. Similarly, you know, we, we, we don't do that. You know, yeah, we have positive engagement. Yes, we have probably open communication. We don't have fairness. We don't have equality. And we don't actually have respect uh, for our minorities um, there because they just, it's kind of, um, it reminds me, and sorry to go, um, geez, if I'm quoting Ulysses, something's wrong because I'm not, uh, I'm by no means um, one of these literary literary quacks um, who wants to be quoting um uh, James Joyce or anything like that but there's a there's a line or there's a, a section or something in Ulysses and I, I'm only saying it because I suppose uh, Ulysses to me is really um, interesting in terms of my Jewish background uh, because Ulysses is, is about is, is sort of the, the main character is, is, is a Jew um, but uh, one of the uh, scenes let's say in Ulysses is uh, when they're talking about how great uh, Ireland was about never discriminating or never uh, yeah, I'll, I'll paraphrase never discriminating against uh, the Jews it was the only country in Europe that didn't discriminate against the Jews and the line back is that's because there were no Jews in there to discriminate against and it's the same to be said about staff rooms in, in, in the country Do you know we don't discriminate against our, our the, 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 the teachers in our staff rooms on a big uh, the minorities in our staff rooms because they don't exist um, and and that's the thing we have to look at really um, by, by, by their absence we're discriminating um anyway we will uh, uh, i'll carry on here this statement of strategy articulates a strong focus on equality and human rights and while it while, while it probably does um let's anyway carry on throughout this is set specifically at the core of second high level goal to ensure equity of opportunity in education and that all students are supported to fulfill their potential it's a meaningless sentence but they think by uh, by they think by appointing a first ever minister for state with responsibility for special education inclusion that they're actually doing that now this and this is nothing to do with the Josepha Madigan particularly I mean she's just in the position she's actually done nothing um, to do that and uh, you know I mean if you actually look at what's happened over the last number of months uh, since this position has been um, has been implemented if you actually examine exactly what's happened and really analyze it the answer is they've it only it's only got worse you know for all the announcements and blather um about you know improvements and it's always money uh that they're 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 uh, talking about things have disimproved for children with additional needs since the appointment of this minister for state for responsibility for special education needs and not just because of covid now covid didn't help granted uh, obviously uh because <laughs> um you know that's that's obvious but even without COVID, things got worse. The only thing that actually, it's, it's really interesting to me, the only aspect of education that disimproved, you know, in terms of, finan- uh, you know, in terms of resourcing during COVID-19 was additional needs from the, N- the NCSE actually made cuts in, uh, by stealth. Um, during COVID-19 everything else got extra money um, which is kind of interesting. So anyway the strategy says they're committed 
And these are things that they're committed to. Um, innovative approaches to ensuring inclusive education for all students. Now, I don't. I I, I think I know what they mean by inclusive. Um, it doesn't actually mean what inclusive actually means. The word inclusive, I think, has been hijacked um, by only one um, one aspect of inclusion, and a very obviously a very important and worthwhile and absolutely right um, uh, thing, which is uh, additional education needs. But it doesn't include inclusion. Seems to not include any other um, aspect of the education sector, which is excluded um, from the table. Anyway, they also commit to tackling education inequality through debt, which is fine, um, and. You know, in fairness, that nothing's really changed there um, in the last couple of years, in the last number of years around debt. Uh, there's a few extra meals going, um, I think, but that's about it. Uh, narrowing the digital divide through increasing access to broadband and digital technology for schools. In fairness, that 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 you can see the seeds of that happening, all albeit very late. Um, but uh, certainly happening. Promoting the learning of the Irish language through continued investment in Irish medium education and curricular focus. I I, I could do a full. And I have done a full podcast on this, uh, so I won't bore you uh, by ranting for 45 minutes inarticul- uh, inarticulately. Uh, there you go. Can't even say the word uh, articulately. Um, so um, effectively, anyway, um, there's the, the focus on Irish languages is, is all wrong, absolutely all wrong, and they need to change. Uh, even today, actually, as I'm recording this, uh, the Labour Party were talking about what they feel would improve the Irish language. Uh, they were uh, saying it in, in, because I'm recording this in the middle of the leaving search and the, uh, that 50% of our uh, people, of students, uh, decided not to do the Irish paper and they're saying that there's something very wrong and their solution was to make one year of primary education immersed in Irish, which doesn't solve the problem. It's 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 tokenism again. And and the problem with the Irish language really is tokenism. Uh, we're obsessed with with uh, politicians anyway are obsessed with tokenistic gestures that sound good but do very little in reality they're never long term and maybe that's because of the system that we have in politics that you have five years max to get anything done and um, progressing the implementation of the school inclusion model is not progress at all it's it's absolutely a massive regression for children with additional needs ensuring that our curriculum continues to meet the learning needs of our students uh, through the initiatives to modern languages and primary school initiative now this is welcome the return of the modern languages and primary school initiative in my opinion it should never have been taken away it was one of rory quinn's lower moments um but its return is very limited six weeks taster courses is not the return of it but look um as I say, uh, I don't like steps in the right direction because steps in the right direction tend to stay as where they are when they're in their first step. Um, but look, if they continue it and extend it, um, it will be welcome. However, um, something's got to give if we're going to be introducing things into the primary school curriculum. Something's got to give. Um, and I don't know what that will be. Religion? Um, but um, <laughs> sorry, um, ensuring that teachers and school leaders are provided with appropriate continuing professional development. Like we get that already. I, I'm, I'm kind of suspicious of this sentence because it, it, it reeks of cusson. Um, continuing to increase the diversity of school type in order to offer parents more choice. Yeah, and and everyone else like give 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 the teachers and the staff more choice. But this is the thing. Um, well, sorry. So, and then it says including the transfer of schools to alternative patrons such as. And they mentioned just one, community national schools. Now, I'll be talking about this when they get to that level. Why are they only mentioning community national schools? Now, I already know in the programme for government, they very, very specifically have absolutely screwed over um, 
anyone other any any non-church model that isn't a community national school and that's really worrying because community national schools are, are like i've no problem with community national schools since 2019 but uh when they actually stopped being um uh, like like uh, when they actually sorry when they stopped when they started being um uh, equality based before that they were interdenominational schools which are not secular um anyway that that aside it's 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 very wrong that um you know this is this is being promoted so so openly now um it's like saying you know educate together for example you know you've been around for you know you you basically were the trailblazer for this but um you know go away now we 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 have this community national school model which we like because we invented it because we're Fianna Fáil and we don't want to annoy Mary Hannafin who probably wouldn't even be very happy with the community national school model now that it's turned into a um <laughs> that's moved away from being from its uh, relationship with the catholic church um which which it still has at second level um maybe i i i don't know really at primary level at the moment there are a lot of very small tiny schools that were closing that the community national schools took over and i don't know and because you see the other thing i don't really like about the community national school model is they don't they're not open and transparent you actually have to get freedom of information uh requests to get any information and it's really hard to get the information from them because no one's allowed to speak i don't know if sacrament preparation is going on in some of those very tiny schools that were about to close down that were just handed over to the community national school there's just questions to be asked let's say um now and i i i've actually no suspicion that there's anything sinister going on i actually think you know maybe it's it's fine i just don't like the fact that we used to have a system where it was supposed to be a, an open competition for the transfer of patronage in the divestment process and now it's just basically let's hand it over to the community national school let's doesn't matter about anybody else. Very dangerous. Um, that happened with the uh, new special school that opened in Cork. It was handed over to the ETB to run without requesting anyone else. No open competition. Um, anyway, we'll, we'll come to that. I, I suppose I, I don't want to labour that too much um, because it's going to come up again. Um, exploring the scope for a citizens' assembly on education as set out in the programme for government. That's absolutely needed. And I think it might uh, give us some interesting... Um, things that we don't expect it's possibly the most important sentence um so far and then engaging in a review of current school transport scheme to provide a better service yeah they really need to i've done a full um podcast on that a full episode on how the school transport scheme is uh, it's 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 unwieldy um and uh, definitely needs to change i just get the feeling it's they're not going to actually review it properly and it's going to be it's going to remain a mess let's move on to innovation and um, we're halfway through the document and i'm oh gosh 41 minutes i'll try and speed up a little bit um innovation in education is about creating new ideas or processes um many innovations so they're not saying very much except what are they going to do a uh, citizen centric citizen centric innovation i don't know what that means a culture of innovation where all staff are inspired empowered and enabled to innovate so i think a lot of that is due to some of the projects that have been going on that richard bruton kind of uh, started off a few years ago you know the these clusters uh so digital clusters for x y and z and so on it, it's it's very hard to tell what what um what they mean but i imagine it's it's that or these arts uh clusters we all have to be in competition with each other and create innovative projects and things like that um and scale up innovation i don't really know what that means Um, working with other uh, government de- departments and they say which I, I i hate that as a sentence i just or it's such a do you know it's it's a real cliche i mean if i was a school and that was my my um 
you know, motto, I'd probably change it. It's just become so, I don't know, it's, it's very cliched now. Um, but anyway, now it's in a, this government thing. Uh, ultimately, um, look, yeah, they're going to work with various different departments and they're going to tell why and none of it's very interesting uh, uh, for primary for primary schools they've listed basically every single other um department and how they're going to work with them in the education so they're they're going to be narting a curla kayla uh, away with them all in various guises none of which they seem very i mean i i, I would have read them out to you but <laughs> some of them seem very stretched <laughs> like we'll work with the department of justice the education and justice to align interagency work focused on enhancing community well-being and safety i mean that's that's stretching uh, that department's uh, role in education a lot so then it goes on to the actual goals that was actually an introduction the first 19 pages were an introduction um, so goal one uh, and it goes on then to the goals and we're at page 19 or 20 uh, of 31 so two we get it's two thir- thirds the way through before uh, we actually get to the to the goals so I mean I, I probably will end up repeating myself a lot but I'll, I'll try my best not to goal one support the provision of high quality education and improve the learning experience to meet the needs of all students in schools in early year settings yeah I, I question that about the earlier year settings and whether they're going to be taking over uh, from that but it doesn't say anything there um what are they saying they're supporting school communities after covid they're um again talking about ict and strengthening leadership around uh, around that but nothing no strengthening the learning experience they're, they're going on about the second level then um inclusive environments for schools nothing new it's it's all it's all basically repeating what they've said before um you know so i i guess there's very little point in reading all of them they're all the same things which i've i've kind of ranted about a little bit and um that's fine i don't think there's anything wrong there um you know in, in skipping them because i've they, they basically summarize them in the first um two-thirds of this paragraph this is sort of almost excess to needs uh, they could have ended the document actually at page 20 really um goal two is ensuring equity of opportunity um and they're talking again um really about mental health and well-being which they've actually paused interestingly at the critical time where they'd need it uh but at the same time their well-being has become a dirty word in my in my book because it doesn't actually mean well-being i i've kind of looked at this um i get, I get kind of sick of the well-being policy uh, document they did because it didn't provide any well-being for anybody not not even the students even though it, it aspired to do that because the solution to their well-being was to have one good adult within the staff or some you know without actually providing any any anything that makes that adult the one good adult or knows that they're one good adult and i've argued before like the person who thinks they're the one good adult might be absolutely the wrong adult for a particular child's needs and to put a lot of pressure on schools that they have that the teachers now have to become almost these mentors um for children who with with significant needs that really really need um not just a good person who's nice to them or who who listens to them but professional help uh, psychiatric help in some cases uh, psychological intervention in 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 some cases and there and that's the answer to the well-being not this very vague one good adult um there's no structures in place for uh, staff uh, just for the record um they're then talking about the support 
support the participation progression of students with special education needs. So they're back again to this. But again, this rollout of the school inclusion model and the new SNA allocation model. So this is happening, the front loading model, the school inclusion model. And it's terrible. It's terrible, terrible, terrible. And, you know, I, 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 I've already given out about it twice uh, in the last few minutes and uh, in the last 40 minutes. And I just don't want to do, give out again, but it's just please anyone who's listening to this can you please put a stop to it it's not the right model for 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 inclusion of children with additional needs it's it's going to damage um any any good that might be uh, any good that uh, for, uh, in terms of therapies and things like that um increase the development of special class place for students additionally so they're really getting rid of the full inclusion model which is a different thing to the school inclusion model uh, the new brunswick uh, model which effectively has fallen apart um in new brunswick in canada um it, it turned out not to be a very good idea um but uh, so they're going to uh, they've changed their mind they've done a u-turn there um, help students at risk or disadvantage there's nothing new there really they've talked about a traveler education strategy without mentioning the idea of reversing the cut uh, to the resource uh, teacher for travelers um now I, I i was only starting as a principal at that time and um uh, when that was cut so I, do, I don't know the background of why it was cut um and it was one of the very first things that was cut um and i'm not quite sure why so i, I probably shouldn't comment because i don't know if that was actually something that uh, the traveler uh, traveling traveler community uh, had asked for uh, I, I i believe uh, there may be some truth to that um but then again it could have just been a clean cut uh, from the department of education um and uh yeah, shame on them for that, if that's the case. Um, address um, it with the retention achievement gap between DASH. Again, it's on. Uh, that's fine. Um, this ensure policy in the area of special education is up to date by conducting a review of the EPSON Act. This EPSON Act that's never been um, enacted, they keep changing it so it costs less money. Um, develop a strategy to enhance learning opportunities for exceptionally able students. Yeah, that would be good. And increase the diversity of school type um, in order to offer parents more cho- choice. Yeah, look, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Um, this is just, you know, let's let's just bite the bullet. Let's just, why why are we? You know, this has failed, uh, absolutely failed. Um, over the last decade and a half, there has been almost no divestment, proper divestment of schools, um, to from the from the clutches of the churches, and um. Maybe, maybe you know, only in name has it happened in a in a, in maybe I don't know, um, a, a couple of cases. But every other case, anything that's called divestment, look at the reasons, the stories behind them, and they're not really divestments. Um, what we need to do is 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 just, yeah, rip off the plaster. You know, that just let's just move quickly to removing um church influence into schools by whatever means we do it it, it it serves nobody anymore i mean nobody is interested in 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 in, in a church control of schools outside of the church and their and their and their and their partners and and i think i mean you like just look at um the communions and the confirmations being moved to july uh this year and um, by in most in most dioceses and schools expected to be doing that and is there do you think there's one teacher or one principal out there that's delighted they're going to be able to you know run the sacraments during their summer holidays and all of anyone i speak to is like they need to just get rid of them they need to get rid of them and that's as a bare minimum anyway ranting away about things goal three going about the partners and to achieve the goal they have a few ideas um infrastructure programs 
um, about climate action. So they're talking about climate action, building capacity. Um, I, I actually don't know what building capacity means. Does anybody know what it actually means? It probably means something. Um, but actually, of all the five points, there's really been nothing. There's nothing in that goal. And um, they probably could have just got rid of that goal because there's nothing in it. Um, they then move on to their education indicators. They publish their statistical reports um, and they're going to do that as well. And they'll be looking at how well they've done in 2023. Um, it moves into appendices, which is often um, either extremely useless in terms of uh, these things or actually becomes the most useful thing. Um, and in this case, um, they are the appendix one is effectively looking um, listing books that they've published over the last uh, 20 years um, about some of these goals, most of which are, well, I mean, they're, they're all of which are available, which is fine. Um, I don't know. I'm looking at some of them here. Um, the Astor Initiative has been completely hijacked and ruined. Uh, the well-being policy is awful. It uh, gives absolutely nothing in terms of well-being to proper well-being to students and nothing to staff. The Literacy and Numeracy Learning for Life 2011 to 2020 Rory Quinn's other lowest moment uh, and, and the reason um, SSE exists now um, and, and a, no, no more a pointless uh, initiative exists. And I, I kind of, this was the beginning of all the initiatives really that have been sweeping in and, and utterly pointless and utterly useless and um, has been retired in 2020 but remains part of our existence. The DESH plan for 2017, um, in fairness, I, uh, you know, I can't be completely critical of everything. I think the DESH plan is good. Um, so um, there you go. Um, the 20 year plan, a strategy for the Irish language um, has just been absolutely it's it's been savaged um, and um, really they they just they, they, they've got to start again. Um, the policy on well education, I actually am not familiar with that document, so I can't comment on it. Um, the teacher supply action plan, um, I actually don't know what that is either. And then the digital strategy for schools. Ah, well, I, I've spoken a lot about that. Uh, and uh, yes, indeed, uh, it, it is not a good strategy. Language Connect, um, that was the, that I don't know anything about actually. I And it seems to be still going. Um, from 2017 to 2026. Um, I didn't know about that. Um, so uh, I, I will look into it. STEM education policy. I, I think I did look at that. And um, yeah, uncomfortable about this whole idea of STEM education entering into the system um, as it as it is. You know, uh, most particularly the idea of coding coming into the maths curriculum is, is one aspect I I, I have big problems with and then the education for sustainable development I have looked at that as well and and I don't see anything wrong with it uh, to be to be honest appendix two are just a list of things uh, of of, um, of of agencies uh, and uh, uh, their acronyms appendix three are acronyms uh, a list of them and that is the document so I mean ultimately that is your document in just under an hour listen I don't think I have any more to say on this uh, strategy it isn't actually as exciting um not that it was ever going to be exciting but it's it's not it's not even near as as exciting i would have hoped to be there's very little in it um maybe that's a good thing we don't want too much change over the next couple of years i think the next couple of years really for me should all be about um recovery um and really um that should be number one focus um and uh and what we will get and and i suppose on top of recovery really um looking at what COVID-19 shone a light on in terms of all the faults 
that were in the education system well before COVID and really starting to sort those out. And that should be really the focus rather than just carrying on with this, you know, focusing on far too far forward into, you know, making, um, you know, these initiatives that are tokenistic at best, like the modern foreign languages thing is absolutely needed, but don't do it tokenistically, do it properly. You know, try and do things properly would be my um, my, my, my goal. Um, if I had one goal, it would be, um, you know, let's just do education properly. That would be a good goal. Um, <laughs> very vague goal, but a goal nonetheless. Look, I'm going to leave it there. Um, and uh, thanks so much uh, for listening to this rather long uh, live poetry reading. And um, I hope, um, I suppose we have a couple of weeks left in the school term. Um, I hope uh, they go well for you. They're a really trying time. Try to look after yourself as best you can uh, because no one else is there looking out for you right now. It's been an absolute hell of a year. Um, a hell of 15 months or so. And we have been let down left, right and centre by those of us, uh, the, by those who should have been looking after us. Um, and if you've uh, and if you've survived it uh, in one piece, you know, well done. If you haven't, you know, that's it's not been your fault in any way, shape or form. This has been horrendous. And um, I, I mean, I suppose as, we, as we're moving to a, a little bit of normality, I went out for dinner last night, for example. And you know what? It's really it's really it, it, it's something as simple as that has made my um my my vision or my my feelings um about life improve greatly um it's amazing something will be your turning point if it hasn't come already it could have been that you've been vaccinated it could have been that you've gone out for a meal like me it could have been that you've gone to the pub and you know something like that is is you know is so much more important than anything else and i hope you do discover that very soon if you haven't already anyway in the meantime without sounding like jerry springer uh be good to yourselves and each other or whatever you said uh thank you for listening and um best of luck over the next couple of weeks and we'll be back next friday with our if i were the minister for education um hopefully a regular episode hopefully no more surprises uh, before the end of the year and uh, we'll see you then thanks a million take care bye bye